Welcome to the People Priority Podcast, where we dig into topics that help you show up as your best self for you and your circle of influence. I'm your host, Julie Schneers, a teacher turned speaker, teen culture consultant, and leadership growth coach who loves people. Join me every week for conversations that will motivate, educate, and hopefully just inspire you to grow through the power of communication, connection, and confidence. Because you and your people, you're worth it. I cannot wait for today's episode because the guy we're bringing on is one of my favorite people. His name is Dominic Vogel. He's the founder and chief strategist at CyberSC. Listen, I met him on LinkedIn. So that just tells you how cool connections can be on LinkedIn. Dominic is well-respected in the world of cybersecurity and has appeared in media news outlets across North America and internationally on BBC World News. Dominic focuses much of his energy on providing strategic security leadership to technology startups and small to mid-sized businesses to proactively solve their cyber risk challenges. He coaches, he leads. My favorite thing about him is that he's a self-professed positive troll and he believes in the power of uplifting others. I am so excited about today and having this conversation. Dominic, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm not sure how the heck I want to match that energy, Julie. You're so amazing. Okay, so I just have to give a little bit of background knowledge here for everyone listening. So I get on LinkedIn, which you do as an entrepreneur. You're like, okay, I have to make connections and I have to meet people. Like, that's the goal. And you come across people like you and you connect. Not really knowing, especially when you're new to LinkedIn, what connection means and what that's going to look like in the world of LinkedIn. I'm barely learning Instagram. Facebook's all I had known before. That just dates me, doesn't it? But Dominic starts saying positive things on every single one of my posts. And at first you're like, well, that was nice of that guy that time. Well, well, that made me feel like I don't suck. Well, well, maybe I should keep posting. He's very encouraging. You know what? Maybe I need to be more encouraging. And, and truly the heart of LinkedIn kind of is glowing because of people like you. And it's made all of us look at how we connect and communicate on platforms like LinkedIn because of your kindness and giving to others. So I guess I'm starting with just taking over and saying thanks. Well, th- thank you for that, Julie. I, I genuinely appreciate that. You know, I'm all going to be doing this for about three years, you know, being that, trying to be that, uh, why we're just a positive, encouraging, shining light. Social media, as you know, can be a very dark and toxic place. Even you know, professional sites like LinkedIn, and you know, for the longest time, I approached it as just a sales tool. Like, like if you looked at my LinkedIn stuff from three years ago, it's just me trying to hawk my security right. services. And then help me nowhere. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can unlock things through kindness, right? And I'm a firm believer, magic happens when you're just kind to one another. And I agree with you. I love that. And you do that. You definitely demonstrate it. But you spend. I want to just talk about time for a second. How much yeah. time do you spend investing in others? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm going to say that it's between sort of 60 minutes to 90 minutes a day that I spend investing on that. I used to think about it in terms of leads and, you know, mm-hmm. did that convert the business and all that. But about a year ago, it dawned on me that this is more of a, a long-term game, right? That I need to take a longer-term vision here in which if I take the time to invest in meaningful life-enriching relationships and look at this over a 25, you know, 30-year period, those types of meaningful, life-changing friendships, you can't put an ROI on that. They manifest in just magical, unknown ways that you just don't know, right? And that you can't easily attach a number to. So at the end of every quarter, I always look and say, okay, well, how many new friendships did I start as a result of LinkedIn? 
how many friendships that I continue to strengthen. That to me are the metrics that I look at because I'm a big believer. You invest in relationships like that over a long period of time. Like that. It's just amazing. Speaking opportunities, podcast opportunities, business, all things which you know, I don't have to hard sell, right? By just being kind, by investing in friendships and being a, you know, a servant friend, someone who is true and genuine and coming from a place of kindness and compassion, uh, you don't need to sell. And that's what I'm a big believer in. So uh, I can see the ROI, but I can't attach the number to it. That's why I tell people, right? So look past the instant gratification. And that's something that a lot of us struggle with. We don't get a benefit like that. We just yep. get thought with our time. It is worth our time, right? Now, to me, investing in yourself, investing in relationships, greatest thing you can do. I love that. And you, you know, I work with businesses and one of my biggest preaches is connections and relationship building and how the power of building relationships with those in your space, in any room, whether it's the classroom, the boardroom, the living room, I know that you've heard me with my spill on that, but the investment in relationships, one, it's going to take time, but we are such a rate of return type mindset culture that it's hard to get out of the rat race of that. How did you make yourself look at the relationship rather than the rate of return? Yeah, that's such a good question. To me, again, it's the big word that I looked at was consistency, right? And I thought, if I, anyone can leave a kind comment once. That's not hard. It, it, it really isn't. But doing so again and again and again, day after day, week after week, month after month. And that's how I started to invest in relationships where I would, you know, early on my LinkedIn journey, I would just get leave those positive, high energy, uplifting comments and not just do it once. Right? I would do it like day after day, week after week, month after month. And I would see with those relationships that people would start responding like with, with you. Right? I saw that you started responding in with a very high energy way. And I thought, hey, okay, now this person is seeing that I am showing up every day. I'm going to try and take this relationship to the next level. Maybe we can have an offline conversation. Maybe we can move this to a different you know, communication form rather than just commenting back and forth or LinkedIn. That is how you can progress a relationship. And I'm a big believer too, in which you know you don't need physical proximity to develop meaningful relationships. You and I have never met. I do look forward to the day we will meet. That will happen one day. I, I promise yeah. you that. But you know, one of the things that I truly recognize and realize now is that to form meaningful relationships, you don't need physical proximity. What you need is what's often referred to as emotional proximity. If you are available for that person emotionally, right? You are there to support. You are there to uplift. You are there to provide like kindness and compassion and remind that person that they do matter. They do bring value. That's a type of emotional proximity that physical proximity doesn't, right? Just because you see someone every, every day, it doesn't automatically make them a great friend, right? Some of the greatest friendships I have formed over the past few years, yourself included, Julie, have been with people I have never met. I have only interfaced virtually. And that to me is the power of being showing up consistently investing in those relationships and then when you recognize that the person on the other side is responding in a in a similar way then you can take that home that relationship to the next level and how powerful is that piece of advice for anyone who's a remote worker i, I think it's huge you know I, something that i wish as an entrepreneur that i recognized earlier on i wish it's something that i recognized back in my corporate days as a as a manager as a leader it's something i wish i preached to my team and, and, and staff as well, that you know, we don't have to physically be next to each other right, to be friends, to get the best out of each other. Right? And you know, as you mentioned, with like a remote access worker, someone who works remotely and maybe physically is cut off from people, by taking the time like, to show up consistently, right? that to me is a big word. I mentioned it earlier, I'm going to say it again, I'll probably say it again later. 
consistency is the key there, right? Showing up once is not hard. Showing up twice is not hard. Right? Showing up time after time. Uh, even if someone doesn't respond, I remember some people become great friends. They didn't respond to, to the, the first few comments, but they saw that after a few weeks, I was still commenting and they're like, wow, you're still, you're, you're still coming. I really appreciate that. And that, and that to me again is the, is the root of the, the consistency there. Right. And there's people I know who I've supported who got very few likes early on. I was one of their early supporters. Yeah. Now, now they get, they have hundreds of, or thousands of likes. Right. And they're like, you were one of the few, and you mentioned this earlier, Julie, when you're like, you know what, this person makes me feel good. Maybe I should keep posting what I'm doing does matter and there is value in it, right and there's just tremendous power in that right and i think that's something that anyone whether they're an entrepreneur remote worker right again if you take the time to display compassion and kindness and like i said positivity positivity and i'm not talking about necessarily toxic positivity but positivity as a whole it's in such short supply in our society we're mm-hmm. quick to be cynical we're, uh, we're very quick to be jaded right we're very quick to, to point out the flaws of the people Right. Positivity as a whole is not is not nearly as high as I think it should be, and that's why words that I say stand out. Part of it, you know, makes me sad that there aren't more people who are trying to be more positive and uplifting. But I think there therein lies an opportunity for your viewers and listeners. Right, use the power of positivity. Use the power of consistency of consistently uplifting and empowering people. Your life will just open up tremendously as a result. I agree with you so much, and I love that you're sharing impact you have seen make? Because that's one of the questions that I've heard. And I know that we're talking kind of in LinkedIn world, but my preach is that this applies everywhere. I've worked with a company and they were 75% remote, even though we were all together in person. When I spoke with them, 75% were remote and they were from all over the United States. That That is something that they had not thought through when they were like, well, well, how can we do some of these things that you're saying we should do when we aren't in the same room? It takes a little more being intentional and planning to make that happen, but it's still impactful. And I love that you're saying we're still close and you're in Canada. I love that we're saying that it was impactful because you consistently kept showing up because we all start somewhere. I think, I think that message being heard is really important. How do you get companies to not just hear it, but actively do it when they are so worried about the boxes they have to check and they don't see, hey, my company can spend an hour and a half every week on teams just getting to know each other and connecting. How do you get a company to shift their mindset? Yeah, that's an excellent question, Julia. To me, it starts with simple things. It's not necessarily some big boom, let's all get together in a virtual room and have a a virtual party. Uh, Very rarely have I seen that be successful. To me, it's more... the minutia, right? The level of conversations that you have at the individual level. And I'll, I'll even looking at other communication mechanisms. So I know I'm talking about LinkedIn, but I see that working in any communication mechanism, even an example like something like email, which is, you know, often regarded as one of the worst forms of communication. By just adding exclamation marks, by just adding you know, things like, how are you? How's your day? Or, you know, if you know someone who's really passionate about a sports team or something, right? Adding a level of personalization, right? Ending rather than just the standard thanks, you know, something like, you no, know, I always say, have a fab day, have an amazing day, right? Appreciate you. The putting levels of gratitude into an email. Yeah. You can take email from being a real terrible form of communication to being a form of, wow, here's some positive empowerment here, right? So whether it's Slack, whether it's instant messaging tools, whether it's email, I'm a firm believer that any communication mechanism can be transformed in a way that you can transmit energy, 
You can transmit kindness. You can transmit you know, caring. That is all possible. You just have to take the time to transform it. And I think it's at those individual levels where you can start building up those levels of connection. It's not a big bang approach. And I think you're hundred percent. And that means if it's not a big bang approach, you're going to have to, to your point, be consistent. You're going to have to try it for longer than a week, right? Yeah. I've had I've had a couple of companies that would encourage the relationship building and the connection, even in the remote workers say, okay, but you know, how long do we have to get? To? Well, I don't know exactly because I think it's hard to find perfect data for every different company and different types of personalities and different needs and different to-do lists for those people to find the perfect mix is hard. You kind of just have to dedicate to, and then you did this. What am I about on the inside? And you said that at the beginning, you said, I'm going to flip my mindset to others and I'm going to be about others and it's paying off for you, but it took time and consistency for it to pay off for you. And when you dove in, you weren't a hundred percent sure if it would pay off. Uh, that's absolutely the case. I'll, I'll be honest, there, there were days where I was like, why am I, why am I bothering with this? Right. And the thing that kept me going in those times where I was truly questioning whether I should just completely stop was I was, I would write down and think about all the life changing friendships I had as a result. They would look at those and that was my fuel to keep going. Right. And you know, some days nothing appears other days. It's just like, that's an onslaught. Speaking of opportunities, you know, the, all sorts of things that, that pop up, right. Coaching clients, but cybersecurity clients, it's something which, and to, you know, to the point too, you can't, you can't say, oh, this will do it for 30 days and it will work. Right. It's, it, I always say it's, it's like getting a six pack of abs, right. You're not going to get those after doing three crunches, right? And this goes back to what we talked about earlier. So many people are locked in that instant gratification mindset, right? Ooh, there's too much short, right. there's too much short-term thinking. We live in an age of instant gratification, right? And we need to understand that things that are truly worth achieving take time, effort, and consistency, right? And you know, I'm a big believer in consistency. But right. that's a, that to me, again, is the key piece in all of it, which by doing it consistently, still leaving some room for maneuverability, like the, you know, tactically I've made changes over time as well, but the, the overarching piece is the same, right? And you have to do it consistently, right? And like I said, any physical trainer, if you were to ask them, well, can I get you know, six pack of abs in three days? They'll tell you no, right? They'll say, show up at the gym every day, put in the effort, long-term thinking or short-term thinking. That's good. That's so good in relationships. It's good in my workout plan. Let go of instant gratification. It's hard to do, but I think it's worth it. I think building those connections is, and you know, Marcus said it in a podcast that we did, relationships are currency right now. Because we're in a time after COVID where relationships were hard for a while and we had to learn how to do them differently. I feel like we have, to your point and why we're having this conversation, you built this relationship on LinkedIn and now we have this, not only a working relationship, but this friendship and I'm not the only one you did this, but there was a time we didn't know how to do this. We had to evolve a little. Oh, absolutely. You know, I point the, the evolution of oneself as well. I look back at corporate me, there's still a lot of fundamentals of me are the same, but you know, corporate me, it was a very different reflection of the version that you became friends with, Julie. <laughs> you know, it, it was what... I really learned as an entrepreneur, especially during my early days on LinkedIn, was challenging what I referred to as assumptions about myself. I performed what uh, I call an audit assumption, things that I held to be true. I was never a big relationship builder, right? I was actually quite 
quite shy, right? I wasn't big on friendship building or any of those things. I was singularly focused and just trying to climb up the corporate ladder, right? Regardless of whose back I had to climb up to get there. It, it required a level of, of challenging beliefs that I held, held about myself, either beliefs that I held core or things that were imposed on me by others. And I went through that systematically and it allowed me to explore what I refer to as hidden dimensions about myself. I never, you know, from 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when I started my career, I didn't see myself as a public speaker. I certainly didn't see myself as a coach. I certainly didn't see myself as someone who would spend, you know, an hour and a half every day building relationships and spreading positive energy. Those were not things I held to be true when I started my career. But by looking intrinsically inward, doing that assumptions audit, that's something I always start with my coaching clients, write down those assumptions that you hold to be true about yourself and explore those hidden dimensions, right? Take the time to explore other venues about yourself. And I know you mentioned Marcus, I'm, I'm going to give him credit for this. He allowed me to see other versions of myself. As an example of speaking, I always assumed I was only qualified to speak about cybersecurity. And he was like, dude, you can talk about entrepreneurialism. You can talk about relationship building. You've done all these things. I remember glass shattering in my mind when that happened. And again, it allowed me to explore those hidden dimensions about myself. And when you explore hidden dimensions about yourself, you are embracing evolution. You are embracing the fact that you're able to continually evolve and find new and better versions of yourself. Because at the end of the day, we're all on this amazing journey of trying to find that best version of ourselves. And it grows. I mean, if you're not growing, what are you doing with yourself? <laughs> Excellent point. <laughs> I use this image when I get to speak about growth too, is growth equals change. Change equals loss. Loss equals pain. So growth might always be a little bit painful because not all of us love the change and the loss. And for you, you lost an hour and a half of your day, maybe doing tasks you thought were really important at one point in order to shift your mindset and grow as a connector. And you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's the uh, proverbial sort of no pain, no gain. <laughs> I, I, I use the analogy too of growth spurts. Like when, as a, as a child, when you grow, especially uh, you get a little bit older, we get growing pains. I remember I had really bad growing pains in my shins as I was getting taller. Any type of growth does require some level of pain. But again, it's about embracing that. It's about being able to embrace that change is a good thing or can be a good thing, right? And how do you make sure that you are embracing your past, using that as a launch pad for the future, and using the, your current state of change as rocket fuel to get you to an even better version of yourself, right? And because again, that's one of the amazing things certainly in, in life is that you're not, like to your point there, you're not just always staying static, right? To me, that continuous journey of always finding and bettering yourself, I find incredibly beautiful, right? Because the, who I am today is very different than who I was, you know, 10 years ago. I'm very excited to see what I'm like 10 years from now. But the whole point is that we're continuously growing, continuously changing, right? And I think that's remarkably beautiful. I love that so much. I, I want to talk for a second about assumptions. I love what you said about starting with your assumptions and seeing the deep dive of why they're there and what you want to change. How did you take these assumptions you had about yourself and grow them into goals that you wanted to to create for who you wanted to be? I see this, the, the awakening moment was when, when I left corporate and became an entrepreneur and I was quite sudden. I, I not really planned for that. I just, just abruptly pulled the parachute and, and left. I realized how unprepared I was to be an entrepreneur and that the person that I was in corporate would not allow me to be successful as an entrepreneur. One day someone said to me, he said, well, you should, why don't you try public speaking? And 
thought, hmm, public speaking, I'm, I'm not sure about that. And then I thought about other things that I saw other things I would need to learn. So as an entrepreneur, I need to learn sales. I needed to learn marketing. I, I had never been taught those things. I never used those skills. And I thought, okay, well, here are things I need to do. Here's, uh, I'll take an inventory, right? And this is sort of maybe me being the security and everything. To be secure, I need to know where what my current state is and where, where's my target state kind of thing. So I sort of took that same type of mentality. Okay, well, right now I'm good at speaking in meetings and all these things, but I want to try to make money. I need to be better at, you know, public speaking, you know, speaking at, at, at events, becoming a paid speaker. I need to be learning how to do sales. To do sales, I need to get out of my shell. I need to doing cold calling or reaching out to people, right? Sales, well, that's relationship building. We'll learn how to do that. Right? So it was that, it was that, that type of assumption approach. And I refine that every year. In fact, to this day, and I'm 10 years in as an entrepreneur, every year I always do an assumption audit about myself. What do I currently hold to myself to be true? And, you know, based on where I think I still need to go, what, what should I challenge? Right? And maybe I'll pick something that I feel I, I should challenge. And it was through, through that process where I found about sales. I was doing sales, I'll, I'll say it from the old school approach, right? Very, <laughs> very gorilla type, type sales. And it's what that was getting me anywhere. And I thought, okay, I'm going to challenge how I'm doing sales. And then it just dawned on me one day. I thought, well, when people reach out to me, it actually was dawned on me was someone who reached, called me about carpet cleaning. They were just so kind on the phone. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I could get my carpets cleaned. And I sat down and I thought, and I thought wow, that's, that was so powerful. The first one, I thought, well, what about sales through kindness? So I started experimenting with tinkering and that sort of led me down, down the path that I, I went down. Oh my gosh. Well, I love that it led you down that path because it is gold for anybody that is watching you thrive. And it's gold for anyone who is taking notes and maybe also doing an assumption audit about themselves or trying to be more kind in general to other people because you're an inspiration in that way. And I love having that conversation because I think it's really impactful. Now, I work a lot with leaders and I find that the people that bring me in to work with their companies or their school districts, they're the people that are like you. They are the the people that will sit down and do an assumption audit every year. They're willing to do some goal setting for growth. What do you say to the people who maybe aren't in that headspace yet? That's, that's a really good question, Julie. The thing that I, I've used this with, with, in my coaching, with my, uh, in my coaching session, I use the five, 10 year rule where I say, okay, the, think about version five years from now, a version of you 10 years from now. They're looking back and talking to you right now. What would they say? Would they say, hey, you know what? You're doing everything right. You're going to be fantastic 10 years from now. Or are they going to say, hey, you know what? You're still a, you're a, you're a miserable person. That Then you're going to be a miserable person <laughs> 10 years from now because you haven't made those changes. So I, I'm a big believer in deep visualization and trying to really picture in the future. If the current path, that current trajectory you're on, right, your current version of yourself, are you going to be that same version or are you going to be a more evolved version that will have you further ahead in life? Are you feeling more fulfilled, happier, what have you, whether it be a, from a personal or, or a career perspective. I'm a big believer, like I said, those deep visualization exercises where we have those future echoes of ourselves and having those conversations. So that's what I would say. And again, sometimes people buy into that and will have that, but there'll, there'll always be some subset of people that are just uncoachable. I was going to say, you're so right. And I love that you just said they're uncoachable yeah. because I think there are people that they don't want to grow. They are uncoachable. And when, you, when you're stuck in a work environment with someone like that, that makes you look at your five to 10 year path, which is kind of what you did in corporate world. 
and go, who do I want to be in five to 10 years? The whole thing, which if we're willing to ha- humble ourselves, have those conversations with ourselves and even have that, being, you can't have that conversation, have it facilitated by a coach to help you get, you know, ponder those questions. That to me, again, is all about unleashing your inner awesomeness, something that I, I, I love talking about. We all have some level of inner awesomeness, but we need to be able to unleash that in, in, in some fashion, right? And like we said, there's some people who are willing to do the work to do that. And there's like, there's always going to be a subset that are unwilling to do that. And, you know, that's, that's okay. That's just the uh, variables that, that human life brings us. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. So tell us something that we haven't learned yet about you or a project that you are working on. I want to hear a little bit more. I guess the thing that I'm, that people don't know about me is that I'm quickly becoming a classic car nerd. My five-year-old son, James, he loves classic cars. In fact, from when he was probably two, he was able to distinguish between a Camaro and a Mustang, you know, something I still struggle with today. I'm not a, I'm not a car guy. No one in our family is a car guy, a car person, but he absolutely loves it. So as we enter our spring and summer here in Vancouver, car shows have started popping up. He's he's waited a very long winter to be able to go back to them and we just went to one this this past Wednesday and he loves doing that, right? And it's something I love doing with him. It's something I I would never have imagined doing with my son, but it's something that a lot of people don't know. But but I think it's I think it's really neat. It's a way to really connect with the past. That's a way to also see that you can take you can take things that are old and evolve them in a way that are incredibly beautiful when you restore a car and I see the parallels with, you know, with our own lives, right? If you're at any point in your life, you can always restore that model, right? You can bring it, restore it back to where it was, but even add on top of that. Just like you see with some of these classic cars, now they have their, they restore them, they have their conditioning, right? They have nicer seats, quite like they were when they were new, but they're restored to form of glory plus an evolved version. I think that can all be true of ourselves yeah. as well. Coach. I love that. That is so good. Making it all sound so beautiful. I love that. So tell us the big takeaways from today. What are three takeaways you hope that we can sink our teeth into from today? Number one is a self-assumption audit, right? Do that. Make it an annual exercise. Again, there are tremendous opportunities when you take a closer look at yourself and explore those hidden dimensions through that assumption audit. So that's number one. Number two is never underestimate the power of kindness. And a lot of people are just either not kind to themselves and as a result, as a result, they're not kind to others. If you truly want to see progress in your life, start by being kind to yourself and then mm-hmm. you're, you'll be in a better position to start being kind to others. Kindness slash positivity is one of the greatest fuels. And the third one is invest in meaningful relationships. I mean, even if you're someone who is, you know, a introvert and you know what? I was introverted too. Right? And to some degree, I'm still somewhat of an introvert. But if you're willing to put yourself out there, willing to show up consistently and invest in relationships, again, I promise you, I promise you that that will bring incredible magic to your life. I love that. And I agree. Could not agree more. All right. Last question that I have to ask. What's a favorite quote you have? What do you, what do you look back on or just love? Give me a quote. Um, one of my favorite quotes, seek to help first, seek to serve first, seek to be kind first, and you'll never have to work a, a day in your life. And I truly believe that. And I've seen that where if you're helping people and you come from a place of kindness, I get magical things will happen. So love, compassion, serve, 
help. Nothing will feel like work from that point forward. I love that. Those are beautiful takeaways. Dominic, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I have loved it. I think you're incredible. Uh, I hope that it resonates with everybody listening to the People Priority Podcast also. All right. Thanks, Dominic. Thank you, Julie. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening and being my people. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, hook me up with a five-star review wherever you're listening right now. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to the People Priority Podcast. They don't miss out on more tips, tricks, and important reminders. All right, I'll see you next week.